Hey, what's up? Hope you're having a great day. You're about to watch an interview I did with Caitlin. Caitlin teaches people how to meditate and do yoga. She's pretty dope. So, hope you enjoy this video. Make sure you subscribe, by the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and tap the notification bell. If you resonate with me and you like the content and you wanna see more, okay. Now, without further ado, <laughs> peace. Hope you enjoy. Okay, welcome everybody to this episode of the podcast, or if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you for tuning in. I'm here with my friend, Caitlin, and she actually teaches people how to do yoga and meditate. Uh, Caitlin, if you want to maybe tell little, people a little bit more in depth about what that involves, how long you've been doing that maybe, and we'll go from there. Cool. Um, so I've been practicing yoga and meditation for about 10 years, but I recently became a teacher about, I would say it's been, it's been three years since I did my, or two and a half years since I did my 200 hour. And then I did my 300 hour training in India and I've been teaching ever since then. And I really enjoy it. Um, for me, yoga and meditation is a way to help people really connect with their innermost selves and to free them from pain in their body, which is why I originally started my yoga practice as well. So it holds a very special place in my heart. That's amazing. Um, also, for those watching and listening, I, I don't know what's happening outside, but there's like there's <laughs> car alarms going on. Um, what got you started into yoga? Like what initially drew you to that? Did you hear somebody? Did you watch something? Well, actually, so I started traveling when I was 19. I went to Asia for the first time. And um, I was I went there on like a solo trip by myself. And at that time, I was really, really anxious. But also I was partying a lot. So it was kind of fueling that anxiety. <laughs> and so some point in my trip, I think I was like two months in, I was feeling really burnt out. And I was on this um, island in Cambodia. And I saw this flyer for this yoga retreat. And it was my first time ever practicing yoga, but I knew I needed to try it. And so I went to this little island, like in the middle of Cambodia, we took a little rowboat and my teacher, um, who actually is, is still my teacher now, I love her, um, at the time was leading yoga and meditation. She's this really lovely Thai woman named Bud. And at that time, I liked the yoga practice because I liked the physical side of it, but she was also a very spiritual teacher. And so we had to do meditation and chanting. And at that time, I remember really not liking it. <laughs> I was like, this is weird. I was also feeling a lot of physical pain in my body and I was just not connected. But that kind of planted the seed. And I always say like, you never know what something's going to develop because I was the most unwilling student ever. Like I it just wasn't. I didn't want to say practice. I didn't want to chant. I didn't want to do anything, but she definitely planted the seed. And, and throughout the years I was following my physical practice um, with yoga and, but not really taking it into too much of a spiritual side. But then when I moved to Vietnam, when I was about 25, um, I started meditating and doing Reiki and that really helped me as well along this path. So I also started microdosing at that time um, with mushrooms and that really helped as well. And it just kind of opened the door to these spiritual practices, I guess. That's amazing. So when you first started taking the classes, 
obviously you weren't teaching at that point, right? You were just learning about yoga. No. Yeah. When did you decide to, that's a side point, that is kind of amazing that these, these random little opportunities where we're like, yeah, let me take a yoga class and then learn how to play guitar, develop into these amazing paths throughout <laughs> our life. What, when did you actually decide like, no, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to teach. Um, so it was about three, three years ago I, when I was living in Vietnam. Um, I was dating a guy and we ended up breaking up. And so I went on the most like cliche spiritual trip to Bali, but I ended up living there for like a year. And at that time, um, I was just living alone in like this little jungle apartment thing and just really just deeply connecting with myself. And I would meditate every morning. Um, and so I decided to do my 200 hour. And I also met a really amazing teacher in Bali who gave me the tools to sit properly because I feel like a lot of people, um, myself included, struggled with meditation because I really lacked um, knowing how to sit. And so learning that enabled me to sit for longer periods of time without pain. And um, yeah, then I decided to become a teacher and pursue that. And I went to India after that and learned more about meditation. And it's just been an ever evolving journey. <laughs> That's amazing. There's a couple of things I pulled from your Instagram stories that I really, really enjoyed. Um, two kind of quotes. One is, my practice is always best when I come with no plan or expectations. I thought that was- That's so true. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely true. And I, as well, I feel like that, that goes back to even beginning with my practice because for me, yoga, I was never a very athletic person and, and yoga was never really, I never thought that I would be able to do a headstand or, or do cool back bends or the physical practice was never really appealing to me. When I started practicing, it was because I was experiencing a lot of anxiety and I was also having a lot of physical pain because I was holding that anxiety in my body. And um, so to this day, I just try to not put too many expectations on what I want the asana or the physical practice to be. And if I show up and it works out and I'm able to do a cool pose or something, that's fun, but that's really not the main purpose. What's been the main benefit you see as someone who is coming in to, to excuse me, to yoga? And what do you think is the benefit over time, like consistently applying it? Do you think that changes? Do you think that only deepens? What's your perspective on that? I think um, beginning your practice will start, you'll start to feel immediate relief in your body, in your physical body, um, especially because we, we are able to notice these habits and like long held tensions. But as we continue, I mean, for me as well, and what I see with most of my students is they'll start to be able to take their practice off their mat. I think that's really the big step when you notice that is when you um, outside of, actual meditation or or on your mat you're able to take that into your life which is something that I'm still working on as well but just moving in moving from a place of um, reactivity into just responding or even being present like when you're doing the dishes that's when you know like it's starting to work it's when you can take it off the mat and I think that comes with time you can't really force it either brilliant and um, the other quote 
uh, is don't be afraid to play. Your practice should be play too. <laughs> yeah, I remember saying that. Yeah. Um, for me, it's, it's all about my physical practice. It's all about just movement and kind of letting go of fear in a way. I, I remember a couple years ago, I was like terrified to do a headstand. I had this fear that I would break my neck and, um, it, you know, just moving into a place of, of childlike wonder at your own body and, and being able to just play with your movements and, and feel, find what feels good, you know, not caring about what the, what the posture looks like or not caring about this rigidity. I think you can take that into your life as well. And it's such a beautiful thing to play on your mat and, and just experience what feels good in your body because so many people don't know like how good the body's supposed to feel. And I know that from personal experience because my body used to feel really bad a lot of the time. And it's, it's really fun to be able to play. By feeling bad, do you mean like just carrying a lot of, a lot of tension, being stuck in your head? Like how would you define, define that for people? I think for many people, um, they live in kind of a state of, I would say just baseline like chronic anxiety and chronic tension and they they're not even aware of it as well. Sometimes I get into these habits as well. Um, yoga Nidra has been really helpful for that because it's tuning into each part of your body. And sometimes when I do a, a yoga Nidra session or meditation, I'll be consciously aware of like how much tension I'm holding. And I'll feel like my forehead, like physically like unclenched. And um, I think that, moving out of that space it is work it's hard work it's it's letting go of tensions and and traumas but you have to do the work or it's just going to manifest itself into a more physical disease or anger problems you see it manifesting in all kinds of ways how do you see meditation and yoga overlapping what are some of the similarities and how are they different well, for me, for me, it's kind of one and the same because I, I think of meditation in a lot of ways. Like for me, meditation is a sitting practice as well. Like that's very beneficial for me. Um, but my meditation is also in my yoga. I, I love Qigong and that's meditation for me. And, and meditation is also standing by the bus stop and, and being present. So I think that it, it's one, for me, it's one in the same practice, but it's just tools to help you on the path, different forms of things. But I, I would say my yoga is, is meditation, but so many things are meditation. I love how you said being present at the bus stop, because it's not like just a, you know, you, you do the meditation or you're doing yoga practice and you're present there. And then when you, as you said, like get off the mat, taking your practice with you, being present throughout your day, what does being present mean to you? If someone has like never heard that expression, you know, what, what would you tell them? Um, for me, being present is, is being out of your head and, and, and living with awareness. So, so, so often, I mean, it's a practice for myself. I'm nowhere near um, <laughs> in a higher level of this, but at least I have come into a space of awareness about it. Um, just being able to turn off your head and be present in what you're doing. Like 
sometimes I'll watch my thoughts and, and you have to do this when you're starting out in a city meditation. I feel like you have to start with this um, in a more disciplined city meditation. But now as I've, I've moved further in my practice, I'll, I'll do it throughout the day, just kind of watching my thoughts, like listening as an observer. And one day I was just thinking just about my third grade lunchbox. And some, somehow my brain had gone from like being here in my kitchen to like my third grade lunchbox and like remembering it. And it just made me laugh at the absurdity of it because our brains are just like, my teacher calls it like drunk monkeys. They're just like hopping from one thing to the next. And so, yeah, for me, being present is being in a space of awareness outside of your thoughts, or at least being able to observe your thoughts and kind of just, just watch them <laughs> and, and watch, watch their amusing behavior because it's actually really funny if you, if you start to listen. <laughs> 100% agree with you. I think that's a really pivotal moment in, in my journey of meditating and what I see in people I work with and get to talk to people like you, which is amazing having that shift of instead of like being in the thoughts and just being at the, at the whim of the drunk monkey going from thing to thing to thing to thing to actually shifting to going, realizing that you're thinking, which sounds like simple, but it's so cool when you just actually realize, wait a minute, I am thinking a whole bunch of stuff right now. And I think I have been thinking all day long. And this is the real <laughs> only moment throughout my entire day where I realize I think. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. <laughs> My, there's a quote from someone, I forget who it was, but he said, like, um, I used to think my brain was the most important part of my body. And then I realized who was telling me that and it's like, that is spot on. <laughs> I love that. What's, what's your intention for the people that sign up for your classes? Like, wh what would you like them to walk away with? Um, I would love my students to just step into a greater sense of, of loving awareness. So for me, yoga is just about accepting where you are in this moment um, without judgment, um, practicing loving compassion towards yourself. Because for me, I feel like the world really needs more love right now. and it's such a gift for me to be able to give people classes and then see them walk out just a little bit, a little bit brighter, a little bit less heavy, like a little bit of lightness in their bodies. And it's just a beautiful thing. Just helping people step, step into their own light. Amazing. So the name for this podcast is the presence coaching podcast and the presence part of that I think involves many, many different things. Meditation, yoga, these are like traditionally, you know, the, the put on a pestle of like, those are like really spiritual practice, like get out of your head, relax, connect more. But something that I've also seen on your Instagram stories is being vegan. And I think that is a crucial element when it comes to our well-being, yeah. overall mental and emotional health. How has being vegan changed your life? Yeah, well, I've been vegetarian for about, 15 years. I went vegetarian when I was maybe, maybe longer than that. I went vegetarian when I was about 11 because I saw a PETA video and it was like <laughs> awful. And I just decided at that moment I wasn't going to eat meat, but I was still eating um, fish and eggs and dairy up until the point that I went to Bali. 
Um, and when I started delving deeper into my spiritual practice, I met a lot of, of people there who were just talking about just the effects of these foods on our bodies. And I watched some videos and educated myself and I really found that it wasn't necessary. And I will say, I, I can't say about the cutting out meat because I did that so long ago. I didn't really notice the transition, but when I cut out dairy, it was a, it was a big change. Um, I started feeling like less sluggish, less colds going on. And from, from my spiritual teachers in India as well, I, I think that that I, I don't know if meat is conducive to any kind of spiritual practice because you're consuming fear, especially in the, in the way that our meat is our meat is produced in these days and times. You're 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 consuming fear and and death and just I mean if you look at factory farms on like an energetic map, I'm sure they're just like a, a dark cesspool of of energy. Um, I wouldn't say that that all animal products are, in, are inherently wrong. I mean, I, I know, for example, my, my teachers in India, they love to, to consume like ghee and, and butter and things like that. And, and so there hasn't been as much studies on, on animal products, not meat. Um, personally, I don't like the way they make me feel. And I think the way they are produced is evil. But I think that we can also come into a more symbiotic relationship with, with animals. I, in the past, like yogis thought of milk as a sacred thing in India and they would take what was left over from what, when the calf was done drinking. And that's kind of a beautiful idea to me, but just in today's society, I, I don't know if there's an ethical way to eat animal products. I agree with you. I think that, a lot of the, a lot of those foods for me personally, it brings on a lot of like heaviness and kind of, kind of derpiness, brain fog. Um, and just kind of thinking about how like slaughterhouses, for instance, how things are being done and the fact that we are like consuming animal life that kind of brings sparks up a point. What, what's your perspective on the whole, okay, there's consuming animal life and then there's consuming plant life like what, what do you what do you say to the argument of like well plants are you know living entities too <laughs> um well <laughs> plants plants don't have a central nervous system so i think there's a, a point there um i don't think that they feel fear or pain but i i also if we were going to make that argument i think that veganism is about doing the least amount of harm so i mean we're feeding plants to the animals anyways like my animals eat way more plants than, than we could consume. So if we were going to make that standpoint, it would still be better to be vegan. But I, I think of plants as, as, as being a life force. And I, I notice, I notice when I eat them or when I eat like a delicious medley of like raw vegetables and fruits and things like that. I mean, I can notice it on a spiritual level when I, I feel good. And I think that that says something. I mean, I don't know everything. And I, I try not to be dogmatic in my approach to veganism or nutrition as well, because I think it can be a bit of a, a turnoff for people. But for me personally, like, it, it just makes sense uh, on, a, on a spiritual level. It makes sense in so many ways to not eat these products. But as well, like, it's, I think that some people get so hung up on the anti-animal products thing that they forget to mention, like, it's about living consciously in, in all of our choices. So 
although palm oil is technically vegan. Still there, Caitlin? There we Hello? go. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> I think we disconnected. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And kind of moving into, what's your opinion on self-love? What's your perspective on that? What does that mean to you? That's a, <laughs> a big word. Um, self-love, I think, I think it's an important concept. I think also as well, though, it's important to not go into the idea of loving, of loving our individual selves or like these ideas of ourselves that we have, um, like loving yourself so much that you're kind of feeding your ego. Um, I think it's important in this quest for self-love to see yourself in others too. And, and love those aspects of them. I feel like it's kind of a, a bit of a warped word in today's society. I don't really know. <laughs> mm. Has there been any books that have really impacted you? Yeah, a lot. Um, I love The Untethered Soul. That's a great one. Um, anything by Alan Watts. I would say that out of all my favorite teachers, Alan Watts is my favorite. Um, I love listening to his lectures. Anything he does is brilliant. And I would say that he's definitely started my spiritual journey. Um, I love the power of now. Um, any yoga books. <laughs> and as a last wrapping question, what, what do you see the next five years of your practice involving? Are you just trying to do the same things? Do you have a vision for, you know, what you want to do for it do you want to grow it your plans for that my spiritual practice um yeah i obviously i definitely want to grow it um it's it, it's an interesting point in my life because i i was traveling for the past like 10 years or so and um now i've settled down in mexico and so i'm really looking to come into this space where i don't feel like i need to travel anymore to find something or, or fill any kind of voids. I'm, I'm finally at the point where I feel really grounded and really connected. And I want to just keep working on that and move my practice away from solely helping myself into hopefully helping others as well. I love it. Where can people go if they want to learn how to do yoga and to meditate? Uh, well, you can practice with me online. <laughs> I offer um, Zoom sessions as well as I offer free Facebook classes. And, and um, website people can go to? Uh-huh, it's wayfairkate.com. Perfect, Kate, thank you so much for sharing some of your time and energy. This was awesome. Thank you, yeah, it was nice to meet you. Likewise, enjoy Mother's Day. <laughs> yeah, you too, have a good day. <laughs>